Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. On today's episode, we'll start with the newly released 2023 Virginia Tech football schedule and see how things shook out for the Hokies in the first year of the new ACC scheduling model. And in the second half, we'll get to some hoops, recap the win against Syracuse on Saturday, and preview the matchup tonight. It's a big one against Miami. That's coming up on episode 282 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in whether you are listening or watching on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe while you're there and also turn on the notification bell so you don't miss any future podcasts. Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. They're giving away one free annual TSL Pass subscription each week from January through mid-March. To enter, hit the link in the YouTube description or find one of their ads on techsideline.com website. Congratulations to this week's winner, who is George Jobison of Blacksburg. Jim is winner four out of... George. (laughs) I I messed up my little script. Okay, George is winner five out of 10, so be sure to enter every week. And remember, who you choose to bank with can make all the difference in your overall experience. First Bank and Trust Company is the bank that puts you first. Visit www.firstbank.com to learn more. Before we get into it, and I can stop talking and messing up, I'll introduce the crew for today. Uh, Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist to my right. David Cunningham, managing editor for Tech Sideline across the way. The only one not wearing a black quarter yeah, zip today, know. but you it is get, a red we forgot quarter zip. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I didn't get the Will Stewart, your founder and general manager, is in the fourth chair today. Nick Brown producing <laughs> behind the scenes, and I'm your host, Katie Adams. Things are great right now. We're on a two-game win streak in basketball, women's basketball coming off of a sweep of UVA, and we have yet to lose a, f- a football game in 2023. <laughs> let's so, <laughs> so let's get into it and talk about what's to come this football season. We're recording on Tuesday as opposed to the normal Monday afternoon podcast because the ACC Network released the schedules last night, which... First off, we got to get away from that format. Oh Just post it on Twitter. It and took forever. That, oh, that, that, that's awful. That is a, I, I saw this on Twitter. That is the definition of something that could have been sent in an email. Absolutely. <laughs> I did and not. And we forgot to print out schedules for uh, the schedule podcast. Well, that's we the job of the that. fourth chair. I will get up and go print out. <laughs> well, well, I, I was yeah, going to look on the fo- on my phone. Yeah, but, yeah. you can pull it out. Don't get up now. You'll be in the way. I've also written about it so many times. We've written about it so many times already. I know. Yeah. I already know the schedule. All right, we're yeah. descending into ACC network territory here. Let's get back Let's on go. track. Absolutely. Mm. You can kind of break this schedule down into thirds. You have September, October, and November. 
We knew the majority of the September schedule prior to last night because it's a lot of those non-conference matchups. But starting with the home opener against ODU on September 2nd, a revenge game, hopefully. Since joining the ACC, Virginia Tech is 7-7 and in opening matchups out of conference. Five of those were losses to top five teams. And then you also have ECU and ODU. So got to go 1-0 here, that's for sure. Yes, and this is a game I expect to win. Uh, it was a three-point game in Norfolk last year. Since then, Virginia Tech has stolen Old Dominion's best player, and then their top tight end declared for the NFL draft. Uh, and now the game's in Blacksburg. Yep. And I don't think they've done much in the portal as far as people going to Old Dominion. Uh, and I think Virginia Tech has strengthened itself in the portal. So this is a game I expect to win. Like I look up and down the schedule, and I see two games where I think Tech's going to win. I see two, one game where I think they're definitely going to lose, and everything else is kind of like a toss yeah. up. kind of a toss up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I mean, old you know, Tech and ODU are two and two. Home teams won each game. Tech's lost both games in Norfolk. ODU's lost both games here. So, I, don't know, I think I mean, it's a good opportunity I think for Virginia Tech to and Brent Pry to kind of put the disappointment of last year's season opener behind them, start off on the right foot, kind of. Have that have that win. I mean, it'll be what two weeks. Students will be have been here for for two weeks. Um, everybody will be excited. Oh my God! Everybody gets to celebrate a home win in Blacksburg, which is something that Tech only got to do once what? all last oh, year. Wow. Boston College and Wofford. Yes. Oh, forgot about the Wofford. Yeah, game. yeah. Sorry, I wasn't yeah, really that counting really that. Count, but yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like getting an opportunity to to celebrate a home win under Brent Pry, you know. I think uh, that it'd be a good start to the year. Virginia Tech has outscored ODU 69-17 to 17 while at home, so hopefully it, it bodes well for us in 2023 and we can get off to a quick start. Next up is back-to-back -back Big Ten matchups, which I don't think has ever happened in Virginia Tech football history. This feels a little weird. You get Purdue at home September 9th, which my dad will be coached by – We'll have a new coach as well as a new quarterback in Hudson Card, who played for Texas last year, and he was the quarterback on the field when they lost by one point to Alabama at home. So he might give us some issues. It's interesting. Uh, Ryan Walters is is the new head coach for Purdue, and he comes from the Justin Fuente coaching tree. He was the Memphis cornerback in 2014. Then he uh, cornerbacks coach, excuse me, not cornerback. Uh, <laughs> then, then he followed Ryan Odom to Missouri, Missouri. where he became his defensive coordinator. And then he eventually became Wait, defensive. Wait, Barry Odom? Ryan, Ryan Odom was the basketball yes. coach. Yes, Barry Odom. Uh, we love correcting each other. We need to stop the doing this show practice. live, by the way. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, now I lost where I was at. So you were the talking about he went to Missouri. He went to Missouri. Yeah, okay, he went to Missouri, and then he went to Illinois. He was a finalist for the Broyles Award at Illinois this past season where his defense was just like top ten and everything. Maybe he should have been the Bud Foster replacement based on everything we know about him now. But at any rate, he got the Purdue job. Big Ten West champions. We basically traded Wofford for the Big Ten West champions. Yeah. Now, I don't necessarily think they're going to be as good this year because yeah. they've got a new head coach, and you never know. But uh, I do know that they're a significant upgrade over Wofford. This is a Purdue team that at times looked really, really good last year. And then, of course, Jeff Brom leaves to go to Louisville who Tech also plays. Um, unfortunately, Tech doesn't play Cincinnati because then you get the, the other part of the tree, which is Scott Satterfield. Who, yeah, who went from Louisville to Cincinnati. But this is a Purdue team that, that was really good this year. 
and outside of the Citrus Bowl where they got steamrolled yeah, well, by LSU. And that, to be fair, game. I mean Drew Brees was the interim. Was the interim? He was doing something. Interim he was head a part coach of the staff or interim quarterbacks game, yeah. coach. I mean, all games don't matter. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I knew bringing that up that y'all were gonna say something, but well, I had to anyways. I mean, I think Purdue, like when everything was, when the when the actual staff was there, when Brom was there. That was a good Purdue team. I mean, this is a, a, a Purdue squad that, like, has given teams like Ohio State fits. The, Tech's only played Purdue once. That was in 2015. Tech won in West Lafayette. A big day for Brennan Motley out of Christiansburg. Yeah, I know. Th- this is this is going to be a tough matchup. And, I mean, again, as we were just talking about, it's the only time all season Tech has back-to-back home games. Like, back-to-back weekends with home games. Yeah. So, I think it's going to be a really good crowd, I'd imagine, it, Hopefully, Tech's coming off. Tech and Purdue are both one and zero coming into this, so it's like a kind of a big time matchup. Um, uh. Big time. <laughs> we'll talk about later which is yeah, kind I of mean, the statement home game on this schedule. But the back end of that Big Ten skid is the first away game of the year, September 9th up at <laughs> Rutgers. The New Jersey Hokies will love this one. I think the Northern Virginia Hokies might love this one as well because it's closer to get to Rutgers than it is to Lane Stadium from Northern Virginia. Yeah, is uh, it really? Wow. Mm-hmm. He, Probably Mart, yeah. Probably, uh, I Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers was like four and eight last year. Um, yeah. Greg Schiano's been there a while, a while now. Um, Rutgers lost like its last five games, I think, to end the year. Um, I, I think it's kind of a, I would say, probably a toss up. We're replacing West a home game against West Virginia with, with a road game with Rutgers. Uh, West Virginia is better than Rutgers, but. They're still not that good. No, a ro- road uh, game. Ro- but it's a road game. Yeah. Right? And here's the thing. What, what I, I looked, when the schedule came out, we already knew the non-conference schedule. Right. We knew what the first four games of the season were going to be, their dates and all that. We didn't know the ACC slate. So the ACC schedule comes out, and I look, and I'm like, oh, first three games, Pitt, Florida State, Wake Forest, that's pretty tough. And then I wrote about, this is what I wrote about today. I was basically like, you know what? We were three and eight last year, and one and six in the ACC. They're all tough. Yeah, they're yeah. all tough. Um, like to me, f- playing at Florida State is no different than playing at Louisville. Like Florida State's going to be pro- probably a lot better than Louisville, but from where Virginia Tech is coming from, it's the same thing because it's probably a loss. So yeah. like Tech is going to have to get significantly better for the schedule, and like so, I, I didn't have much to say about this year's schedule simply because of Tech's record from last year. It's yeah. like, we play who we play. Mm-hmm. We've got to get better. Yeah. Yeah, on the Rutgers note, I mean, not Purdue, but Purdue has a new head coach. Rutgers doesn't. Um, and I mean, Virginia Tech um, has a really, really good record against Rutgers, like 12-2, and two, I think, all time. Everybody's got a good record yeah. against <laughs> Rutgers. That's true. I, I do think, I mean, I do think, <laughs> I don't know. Go Again, like you said, it should be a, decent crowd for for the new jersey Hokies and, and the and the dc tech fans and alumni base um it's yeah it's definitely an interesting trade-off right you've got you go from having west virginia at home on a thursday night to you're playing at Rutgers. it's like what what more can you do and Rutgers comes to blacksburg in 2024 okay so speaking of this ACC Big Ten matchup, there's a lot of other ACC Big Ten games in the month of September. I was noticing Virginia Tech obviously gets Purdue and Rutgers, Louisville and Indiana, Virginia and Maryland, UNC and Minnesota, Duke and Northwestern and Syracuse and Purdue. I still would rather have Penn State, that game that never happened. The game that never happened. In or Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, 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 when did that game get scheduled? Or Michigan. 
One of the one of those State. three series that never well, happened. Tech had a series with Michigan at one point. They got canceled. Yeah, yeah. And was and the Wisconsin one kept which getting... got postponed two or three times. Yeah. I think that game originally, you know, Andy Bitter went to Wisconsin. Yeah. I think that that series was originally signed when he was in college. I think that's what he said, or maybe yeah. that's just he just jokes about that. But it's been signed for a long time. Keeps getting pushed back. I don't know if it's actually still have, on the future schedules page. I have no or idea. Not. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. A lot of ACC teams playing Big Ten teams mm-hmm. and. Um, I know Syracuse and Purdue played last year, and that was a really good game. Came down to the wire. Syracuse won. I think that's a good. I don't know. I think like those ACC Big Ten games are a good test to kind of see where the ACC yeah. stacks up as a conference. September twenty third, you're back on the road at Marshall. Interesting game placement. I will say their stadium seats over thirty eight thousand in comparison to last year. Going to ODU, which sits twenty two thousand, and going to Liberty at 25,000. So it is a little bit of a boost, but going on the road to Marshall probably isn't what we would favor to do. Uh, they especially they went 9 and 4 last year and beat Notre Dame. Yep. On the road. They they, they have to uh, replace a 1500-yard rusher in Kalan LeBourne, but still, you know, Marshall's been a, a solid program. Uh, they had a good year last year. They're very good defensively. Uh, they will like nothing better than to claim another Power 5 scalp. So that is going to be a very difficult game yeah. for, for Virginia Tech. And as we know, they're well coached. I mean, Charles, Charles Huff, Huff, we yeah. talked about him replacing Justin Fuente just a couple years ago. Yeah, I think this is uh, I don't think this is a game like it's not going to be like a quote unquote trap game or anything. Like Virginia Tech's not going to overlook Marshall, especially. <laughs> Virginia Tech's not going to overlook, overlook anybody, anybody coming off a of 3 yeah, and 8 season. Correct. <laughs> but I just mean like Mar- Marshall's a team that. A little different from Old Dominion, right? Where, like, Marshall beat Notre Dame on the road. Last Mar- year. Marshall has a lot more talent than Old Dominion. Yeah, Marshall has a lot more talent than Liberty. Okay, yeah. so you, it's not right to put Marshall in the same light as those teams. Yeah. This is a team that Marshall's is much good. more talented. Yeah. Do we know how many years J.C. Price coached at Marshall? I would say it's his return. Uh, he he coached at JMU for a long time and then went to Marshall. I don't remember how many. He was years there a handful of years. Uh, probably at least five. <laughs> yeah. Um, C.J. McRae was at Marshall. Grant, a lot of the recruiting Wells, staff Grant came from Marshall. Marshall. That's right. Yeah, Grant Wells. That's, Grant that's, Wells. that's right. That's right. So there's a lot of Marshall at Virginia Tech right yeah. now. Not just in the players, but like you said. Mike, Vill- Mike Villagrana. C- came from Marshall. Yeah. Uh, uh, so a lot of Marshall influence at Virginia Tech right now. Uh, we've gone up there and stolen a lot of their employees to make ourselves better. Or to we'll attempt to make ourselves better. In theory. And in theory, in theory to make ourselves better. So now that, yeah, of course, they're going to want to beat us. Yeah. Their fans are tired of reading press releases that say such and such is leaving Marshall for Virginia Tech to be director of recruiting, whatever. Or such and such is leaving Marshall to be defensive line coach at Virginia Tech. Or, or whoever, Grant Wells, is leaving Marshall to be quarterback at Virginia Tech. Or CJ McCray took his redshirt year at Marshall, decided. You know, he was too talented to play at that level, so he's going to go to Virginia Tech now. They're tired of reading that. They're going to want to stomp a mold hole on us. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to be ready for that. You're getting me fired up, up for this Marshall game. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see if Grant Wells is our quarterback going into that game or if he's not. And to round out the September slate, your ACC opener is pit on September 30th. He was one of only two original Coastal teams that we play in 2023. This is our latest ACC opener since 2017 when we played Clemson, also on September 30th. Yeah, it's a lot of... God, that 20, dang, 2017, that was when College Game Day came into town. That was a... That was a Seems like so long God, ago. Yeah, that was, my, that was my freshman year of college. So that was... That was a fun one. That was forever ago. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, usually... Like, 
past couple of years, Tech's always played an ACC game like the first or second week of the year. All right, your BC or your UNC. And now UNC. Tech's going to have you know four non-conference games, and then you finally get an ACC play. I don't know if I like it or, or dislike it. I think it gives you an opportunity to. It was always nice, like playing, like like when Tech played North Carolina in the season opener. That was nice because you didn't know what to expect, and nobody had any film on each other. Correct. You go into a Pitt game, and Pitt doesn't have Israel Abanacanda, thank goodness, uh, because, as you said, what, 21% of his yes, total he yards? he declared for the NFL draft, and in his three-year career, he played in two games against Virginia Tech. 21.1% of his career yardage came against Virginia Tech. There's your Should fun have just fact declared of the after that one singular game. <laughs> the one yeah. game. They know uh, what he's made of. Yeah, no, but I think it. I think this is an interesting matchup. I mean, Tech's pretty good against Pitt at home. Yep. And you get Pitt at home on a Saturday, the very end of September. It'll be the third home game in September. Um, Someone on the Pitt roster who is probably not excited to make their return to Blacksburg is going to be Phil Jerkovic. Yeah, he I, did not have hmm. a good game when he was suited up for the Eagles last year in Lane Stadium, and now he'll be Pitt's starting quarterback. Potentially, but I know they took two portal portal quarterbacks, including Christian Waylo oh, from Penn State from as Penn well. State, right. So that'll be a matchup there. Yeah. yeah so, uh, but Djokovic is back with his original offensive coordinator from when he was good. You see, you're seeing a lot of that now. You're seeing quarterbacks hit the transfer portal and they're going wherever their offensive coordinator. Brendan Armstrong did the Brent, same right, thing right. with Robert and I. It's like okay. I was good under this offensive coordinator. I stunk under this offensive coordinator. Maybe I should transfer to wherever the the off to the offensive coordinator that was knows good. me and yeah. we know how to work together right. and you things can't like that. Blame I'm telling, Brandon Armstrong I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a good quarterback and a bad quarterback anymore. It's all about the the who, coordinating, who the coaching, yeah. and the fit for the scheme and everything like that. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good opener though for for Tech. I mean, that's uh, I think that's a game that Tech fans care about and. If you look back to like this season, like in terms of, you know, in terms of people's expectations going into 2023 off of this past season, that's a game you can get people fired up for. And you say, pit at home, first ACC game, people are going to be a little juiced up and go, okay, well, we've got a, we got a game we care about first. People obviously care about UVA, but you got the two two of the games people actually care about first and last in terms of the ACC. I feel like that's that's pretty good. It's not like you're opening with uh, a Syracuse and everybody's like, oh, I don't really care about well, especially about if, that game. Especially if like you can start like three and one or something. Uh, yes, I, um, I think that helps. The last time Tech played Pitt at home, it came after the Notre Dame game when everybody was deflated. Yeah, and I remember going to the Pitt game, and it's it's rare like you. Well, I guess it was common last year, but for the most part, it's rare when you walk into Lane Stadium where you feel like you have no chance to win the football game. And that's what it was like walking into the stadium for the Pitt game two years ago. Yeah. It just felt like Tech had was no chance. Was that like 28-7? Yeah. 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 It was yeah. the defense hung in there, but you knew we weren't. Yeah. Tech wasn't going to be able to score. Uh, this year, I don't think Pitt's going to be as strong as my gut feeling. Yeah. Uh, so if Tech improves... That, that that's a winnable game at home for me, and I do I do think that could be you know a, a big game, uh, and one that the fans can get excited for if Tech gets off to a good start and they're like three and one. Yeah. But if Tech is like if Tech like Tech loses to Marshall the week before, yeah. well you know even if they lose to Marshall, but if they lose to like Marshall, Rutgers, and Purdue and Purdue, then you're like well, one and three and Pitt's coming to town. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. So, and then we got a Florida State trip after that. Uh, so, yep. but, but yeah, yeah I agree. That's stingy. That, 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 that. But these are things like, like, like I, I, Tech is going to be better this year. Yeah. In my opinion, 
How much better, I don't know. The schedule is also going to be tougher. So they can be better, and the record won't necessarily improve. So they'll have to be significantly better. You just mentioned it. Moving into October, jumps off to a hot start with October 7th down in Tallahassee. Florida State coming off of a really good season. Got to be the toughest matchup on the schedule. It's the only game I'm not looking forward to. Well, besides like at Boston College, which I never look forward to. <laughs> Especially uh, in November. Uh, you don't Will's nodding. His yeah. head. The Will Stewart Classic, Virginia Tech and Boston College. He used to write in his preview every year, I'll never I'm pick never Boston College. I'm never Boston pick. College to beat Virginia Tech. Ugh. Ugh. Have you done it since then? I don't know. Um, I I tend to what's it called? Burying memories, repressing, right, right. repressing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that Florida State game. I mean, you know what's kind of crazy is I feel like Florida State, Clemson, Clemson wasn't necessarily itself. You know, Clemson lost both coordinators. Clemson wasn't necessarily itself last year. Still had an okay season. Um, but Florida State was kind of like the surprise team in the ACC. Like Mike Norvell's been there for a couple years now, mm-hmm. and everybody's kind of like, okay, Florida State's this team. Florida State's not getting back to national prominence anytime soon. Florida State comes out of there and wins 10 games, and yeah. it's like, I, oh, my goodness. With wins over Oklahoma in the bowl and LSU in the regular season. And Florida. Uh, right, right. Are I think they? by the end of the season, they were the best team in the oh, ACC. Yeah. If, Absolutely. if there were no divisions last year and – it had been Florida State versus Clemson in the ACC title game. I think Florida State would have won. Yeah. So this is a road game against a team who, as far as I'm concerned, is the best team in the league. It, yeah. it might not might not be as fun as that 2018 trip to Tallahassee. Perhaps I'm so not. glad I was there for that game and got to I was not. Because yeah. I don't know if we're going to I didn't get to go. Like well, that. you were yeah. there, right, 2018 at Tallahassee? Yeah. Uh, so what I remember about that game is um, several things. Uh, first of all, it was my first trip down there, so it was great to be down there. And I traveled with my buddy Richie Davis. The the TSL van was brand new to us. So we took it down to Tallahassee and Richie called into Sirius XM Mark Packer's show and actually got on the air and predicted that Tech was going to win. Uh-huh. And then uh, so Tech wins and some of the conversation the next day because the Hokies won like 24 to 3. Is that yeah. right? Yep. You know, and Tech's defense. And Caleb dominated. Farley had like two interceptions. I think. Tech's defense dominated in that game. And then the next day there were actually a couple of people nationally suggesting that Bud Foster should be in the College Football Hall of Fame, that he had done enough. He and, should be. And the coup de grace was Richie and I were driving up, you know, whatever highway you drive up from Florida, and uh, Packer came on his show and said, got to give it to my buddy Richie from yesterday. He predicted it, you know, <laughs> so we just – Turned off the radio, and that was the perfect end of the perfect weekend. <laughs> right. Yeah. I will say, Florida State, not only were they good last year, they bring in the number two ranked portal class. They brought in a lot of Power wow. Five guys. So they're going to be even better, and it's it's going to be a really tall test for the Hokies. I think with the nixing of divisions, you're going to see a lot of people predict a Clemson-Florida State ACC championship game. Rightfully so. And yeah. they play, I believe they play on September 30th. They play early. I believe, is, so is Florida State, Florida State has, does Florida State have Clemson and Tech back-to-back? Clemson then Tech. Yeah. So, you know, we, we could get, getting them, I guess, after Clemson. You know, there could be some sort of hangover yeah. effect. Yeah. But I still don't think that's... No. That, like, if you're going to take a fall vacation for any... like Go go yeah, October 7th. October 7th. That, yep, that's the October one. 7th, October yep. 8th. Book that weekend. Go <laughs> take yourself... Treat yourself somewhere nice. Yeah. I want to go to Florida, whether we win or lose. <laughs> that's an awesome stadium to go to. You can to. go to Florida. I had a lot of fun. You can go to Florida. Yeah. I was going to Tallahassee. Right, Tallahassee... No, but (laughs) now October 14th is your only Saturday home game in October. Kind of like this past year, we only had 
the Miami game in October, but you have to assume this is likely going to be homecoming yeah, weekend. Yeah, I was say that, yeah. Matchup loses a little bit of steam with the absence of Sam Hartman, but I'm excited for this new rivalry, if you will. In our Wake three, Forest? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's under two hours from Blacksburg. Yeah, it's, it's an easy drive. Dave Clawson yeah. has I, I, created a great program. So yeah. Good. I know. Chris loves Dave Clawson. Oh, there's Wake is a great road trip. Well, this one's in Blacksburg, of course. Yeah, but just yes, to, but I would agree with you. And generally but, yeah. speaking, Wake is a is a great road trip if you're like an NRV Tech fan. It's very yeah. close. Uh, you know, and all the you, North you, Carolina Hokies you, too. You always worry about parking when you go on the road and stuff, but there's this cool golf bar near the stadium. There, they let they they let you park if you let, they let you like if you go to the bar before the game and and drink and eat. And they let you, you park you can there, park there uh, right, and then walk to the walk the game yeah. from there. I think I think the only like bummer in in quotes is like. Wake Forest is one of the smaller schools in the ACC, so the fan base isn't big, so they yeah. might not travel as well. well. But this is a, I like Wake Forest is a good program. Yeah. Dave Clawson has them in, in a good spot. Yes, they don't have Sam Hartman. Uh, I forgot the, kid, the quarterback's name. But I he's, yeah, he's yeah, a, and he's a, he's, he's a Northern Virginia kid. Um, I mean, this could this could be a. A, a good matchup. Of course, Virginia Tech has a open week, a bye week, the, the following week. Mm-hmm. Um, but like your first two home games of the year are Pitt and Wake Forest, and of course that'll probably be homecoming, like you said. I, I think that it'll be a good crowd, and it, it's going to be a good test. The Wake program is peaking under Clawson. Like uh, their last three years, non-COVID years, they're twenty-seven and thirteen. They went four and five during the COVID year, but you know the COVID year, like I think coaching mattered less that year. Like your teams were like really smart coaches. It's not going to matter as much because they don't know what players they're going to have on a week to week basis, which makes it really hard to game plan and outthink the other coach, right? Uh, so I think that that was kind of a, a outlier. Um, but they're peaking under under Claus, and we'll see what they do with, with a new quarterback and everything like that. But. They're extremely well-coached football team. Mm-hmm. And Mitch Griffiths does have some starting experience. I believe he was in there when Sam Hartman was yeah. having that medical issue at the beginning he of the past He started the VMI year. game this past year and went right. off. But you would expect you would expect yeah. that. <laughs> you would expect that. Uh, October 21st, the bye week. So go to your weddings this weekend. <laughs> 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 and only that weekend. Uh, here's the fun one. Thursday night, October 26th against Syracuse. Happy to see another Thursday night game on the slate, as it should be in Lane Stadium. Weather should still be decent. Good, so this will be a fun one for sure. Yeah, Tech and Syracuse. I mean, this this is going to be the twentieth meeting between Tech and Syracuse, and they've, they've played every game on a Saturday. So this is like first Thursday night meeting between Tech and Syracuse. It, I think it'll be interesting. Um, it'll it'll draw. I feel like Thursday nights draw a little bit of a different crowd in terms of fans because you've got like the people that go to every single game. But like your casual fans, some of them will take off work and just say, "Let's go up for a Thursday game because you know." You get to take off a day or two of work. Um, I, I think, I think it'll be a good test. Syracuse, obviously, Robert and I, former offensive coordinator, went to NC State. Um, Sean Tucker's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is a Syracuse team that's going to look a Schrader little bit, gone. a little bit different. No, he's still Schrader's there. Still there, but, but, but has thing, a different quarterbacks it, coach. Like he had a great year throwing the football this past year for the first time ever with, with an eye as the, as the offensive coordinator, but he's gone. Still has the same quarterback. Did, J- coach uh, did Jason Beck stay? I think Beck yeah, stay. Okay, He's their but, new offensive not, coordinator. Yeah, okay. But will he revert in any way back to his old yeah. form that couldn't pass the football without Robert and A? I don't know. And yeah. Tucker's gone, who was a great running back. Dino Babers has like spent his entire career on, on the hot seat. seat. Like Chris they, and I were talking about this earlier. When when Syracuse came to Blacksburg in 2021, 
when Tech should have won that game. It was like forty-one yeah. thirty-seven, and I Tech was Tech was leading with like by two touchdowns or something like that. With like mm. in the fourth quarter, and yeah, Tino Babers was on the hot seat as Fuente was a little bit, and Babers is still here. Right. Yeah. Virginia Tech is four and six in their last ten home games on Thursday. Obviously, lost thirty-three to ten to West Virginia this past year. We need to win this one. Uh, the Orange have also won four of the last five against us, so yeah, not a great look. Not if you good. had to ask me which game would be on Thursday, I do wish the NC State game was a Thursday night instead of this one. But Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Now on to November. You're primarily going to see Virginia Tech on the road. Three away games and one home game. It starts out with a trip to Louisville on November 4th to take on the Cardinals and their new coach and Jeff Brom. 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 I was asking them before the podcast how you pronounce <laughs> that. So he was going to get the Hokies on his schedule, whether he stayed at Purdue or whether he went to Louisville. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and this is the first time since Louisville joined the ACC in a non-COVID year that Virginia Tech is going to, to Louisville. Um, again, I don't really know what to think about Louisville. I think Louisville, it could go one of two ways. New coaching staff. New quarterback. Um, but Louisville was pretty good last year. I mean, obviously Malik Cunningham's not going to be there anymore. I think they're really well coached. I think Jeff Brom did a great job. At yeah, Purdue. I would agree. Like, if I was Cincinnati, I would have hired him instead of Satterfield. That's my opinion. Um, but Louisville was pretty good this past year, 8-5. and five and Yeah. You could argue that their coaching is upgraded. Yeah. Uh, n- now, uh, so yeah, there'll be a tough out on on the road. Uh, these days, it's it's hard to like get a complete picture of teams right now because yeah, the transfer portal is done for now, but there's another window after the spring, so yeah. you don't know what these rosters completely look like. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's you know it's a road game and like against a team that is better than Tech. Yeah. Yeah, well, tech, from, from everything we know right now. So. Yeah, Tech went on the road to Louisville during the COVID year and won. Yeah, um, but you know Louisville was, Louisville, yeah, it's probably. interesting because I always thought Louisville under Satterfield was up or down. You never knew what to expect. Yeah, um, I feel like a, that was kind of the same thing with a lot of those Atlantic Division teams. Maybe that's just the ACC as a whole. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, you could say the same thing for like Miami, Carolina. It's like you don't know what whether the team's going to come out and per- perform well. I think you can say that for most teams outside the elite. Top talent. Yeah, I, I think well because like Louisville, elite quarterback in Malik Cunningham, and sometimes would perform really well, sometimes wouldn't. Yeah. So um, one or two tech connections there. Mm. Stu Holt, running backs coach, yeah. was previously at mm. Louisville. So I, I'm excited for that road trip. And you, you can go on your bourbon tasting trail. Yeah, thing. absolutely. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to compare the Virginia Tech schedule and wherever I go to grad school to figure <laughs> out all that and which games I'm going to, but. Then the Hokies will ship up to Boston November 11th. November, probably not the time that you want to be in Boston. It's going to be a cold one, but this is a very winnable game for the Hokies and what I think will be the last year under Jeff Halfley. Watch. We'll, we'll have a road. <laughs> you better knock on wood. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have a road game against Boston College, and then Tech will qualify for a bowl and get the Fenway Bowl. <laughs> then so, you have to go to Boston again. In December. <laughs> Did you see that Pitt Syracuse matchup? This yeah. Yankee so, Stadium so what I didn't. Year? So what I didn't. Yeah, I think that's cool. That's what cool. I what I didn't realize is the first ever college football game like in Yankees. That was like the first ever college football game in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And so it's hundred year anniversary. Pitt Syracuse played first game in Yankee Stadium. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I, I think going to Boston, man. Uh, Thank goodness uh, basketball starts that week. Like that'll be the first week of college basketball season. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Boston in November does not sound like an ideal trip. And Virginia Tech, I mean, you guys are trying try to forget it, but like the last Virginia Tech trip up to Boston College for football. Forget it. Braxton Burmeister 
supposed it's, to play. Phil Jerkovic is hurt, and then Jerkovic plays, and Burmeister gets hurt, and everything goes yeah, the wrong way. The wrong direction, uh, just like you would expect in Boston. Yeah. Right. No, uh, I mean, and for, last time Virginia Tech men's basketball went to right. Conti Forum, oh, lost. God, don't even, Hunter Couture don't, got hurt. I don't even, let's not talk about it. But went a very winnable game, though, for Tech. Oh, yeah. Boston College's offensive line this past year was legit the worst offensive line I've ever seen in the ACC. <laughs> it was horrible. They lost. Uh, who did they lose to? That was really bad. Uh, Rutgers beat them, but the Rutgers wasn't really bad. It wasn't like Colgate, but it was like someone like that. that they Another lost. toothpaste. Might have been toothpaste. Yes. <laughs> someone. Yeah, no, Will, what do you think about Boston College? The AIM toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's a winnable That's game. That's a winnable game. Yeah. Um, which feels odd to say, considering it's in Boston. I certainly wouldn't guarantee it you because pick, it was in Boston. Are you going to pick Boston College to win? You know, I should do that. A little reverse <laughs> mojo. Mm-hmm. People get really mad at me when I do stuff like that, though. Um, well, in our last home game of the season and the one I'm most excited for, November 18th against NC State, Brennan Armstrong did not escape playing in front of a sold-out crowd at Lane Stadium. Mm-hmm. The one year he did play here was the COVID year for Virginia. So this time around, there's going to be a lot more people in the stands. Yeah, and NC State's good. I mean, th- yeah. again, I, I would say this is the second-best team on tech schedule behind Florida State, right? right. Yeah. Um, NC State, didn't matter what quarterback NC State played this year. NC State found a way to win, and that kind of describes good teams, right? Dave Doran's a good coach. They've got a really good defense. Virginia Tech should have had that game in Raleigh this year and and couldn't pull it out. Um, I'm excited for NC State to make a return trip. I think if if Duke didn't do what Duke did, I think Dave Doran would have had my vote for ACC Coach of the Year. I think it was idiotic that he didn't get a single vote and Mac Brown got a vote for Coach of the Year. Dave Doran won eight games with four different starting quarterbacks, two of which were true freshmen. Do you know how hard that is? I mean, that guy's one of the best coaches in the league. I don't even think his own fan base realizes it. Um, No, because he's so mellow about it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, But, yeah, I I think he's an excellent coach. Brennan Armstrong, when I say there's no such thing as a good quarterback or a bad quarterback anymore, I mean, that's not true, of course, but I do think there's a lot of guys, most guys, that could be good or bad depending on the situation that they're in. All you have to do is Google Brennan Armstrong College Sports Reference, and you will be brought to a page that shows you his stats year by year. And the years where he was good Robert and I I was his offensive coordinator. The year where he stunk this past year, Robert and I was not his offensive coordinator. Now he's back with Robert and I at NC State, and that's a very well-coached program. So I would expect NC State to have a very good season and Brennan Armstrong to have a redemption season. And I would expect, for the few UVA fans that are left... That's a game you cheer against. That's not, it's not something you're there, you're going to want to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think I mean, Devin Leary was there, and Tech didn't get a chance to play Devin Leary because he got injured. Um, and I can't even remember the, the kid's name, the true freshman. MJ, MJ Morris. Morris. Yeah. I mean, came out of the woodwork and was awesome against Virginia Tech this year. I, th- I feel I, bad for him because he should be their starting quarterback this year, and it's going to be Brennan Armstrong. Well, it could be him, but it, all, it could also be the true freshman they brought in at the end of the year who beat Ryan UNC. Ryan Finley, yes. Yes. There, wow. there are a lot of options for NC State. It must be nice to have a billion awesome quarterbacks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what, Virginia Tech in, like, 2019? We had that at one point. Uh, <laughs> I will we'll say, talk about it. I will say, the, like, Virginia Tech-NC State, that's, like, a good that's a good battle. I think two, I love that two big state schools yeah. who have huge fan bases that actually like legit care. 
NC yeah. State is the Virginia Tech of North Carolina, I yeah. would say. Yeah, and and they and they care. I mean, NC State will travel very very well to yeah. Blacksburg. And of course, last time they played was was during COVID. They're they're not as loud as as Tech fans though. No. no. Uh, I think if if they were in the ACC, East Carolina. Well, would be the Virginia Tech of of, of North Carolina. Academic-wise, it is not. I was, was oh, okay. referring we're talking, to the institution about as a whole. <laughs> You're talking yeah. about fans. Yes, we're yeah. talking about game day atmosphere. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'm excited, though, because not a lot of people... I mean, NC State, this is only the fifth time, I think, NC State's come to Blacksburg since since joining... Since, like, Tech's been in the ACC. Um, I think Tech's three and one or four and one against them. The one loss was the first one, like two thousand four or five. And they took one five in a row against them after that. Yeah. Yep. Um. But like the last time NC State came to Blacksburg was twenty twenty, and nobody got to see it. That's true. Yeah. So I think again, NC State fans travel well. This will be a good matchup. Of course, it's the only home November game. Yep. Well, now that we've discussed all of the home games, which do you think is the statement game of the year? Syracuse, NC State, or Purdue? I guess you could take that question in various ways, which is going to have the best crowd. Think, uh, you know, uh, it's it's interesting Not because, no like, pit. on paper, I don't think I so. I, I would uh, just in a vacuum statement in terms of what I, in a in a vacuum I would say NC State. Yeah, but that's only if Virginia Tech has had a good season up to that yeah. point. If Tech rolls into the NC State game, something like two and seven or two and eight <laughs> yeah. or whatever, it's not going to be much of a statement yeah. game, is it? No. Right. Uh, so. I, I'm inclined to say it, a statement game is something that would be earlier in the season. Uh, I, I would probably say Purdue more Purdue than Purdue or Wake or Wake yeah. Forest. I think I think Wake Forest is going to be a really good game. Yeah, yeah. If if, te- depend, if Tech is like hitting the right trajectory, I, I would say Purdue and Pitt. Like the the first the first big non conference test and then the first ACC game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I, th- I think both those teams will be you know really good tests of course, and we'll 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 know a lot about ourselves after after the Purdue game I believe. Yeah. I think a lot of people are overlooking that Purdue game too. It's not one of those teams that jumps out to you. Of course, when you think about powerhouses of nope, the Big Ten, no, it's so. Purdue. Yeah. Everybody everybody goes oh it's Purdue and then it goes okay well did you know they won the Big Ten. West yes. last year. Right. They won the Big Ten West and Virginia Tech went three and eight. All right. This isn't historical Purdue versus versus historical Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Like if they, it's not gonna be fifty one to twenty four. If this game got played tomorrow, Virginia Tech would be home underdogs to, to Purdue. By I would it'd probably be like Purdue like minus eight. Probably. Like yeah, I, I think this is a this is a Purdue team that's gonna be good. And like you said, we will know a lot after this Purdue game, just of I think It'll be the first test against a Power Five team. Then you've got Rutgers, who is not obviously probably won't be as good as Purdue, and then a Marshall team before Tech goes on the road. This is a really good opportunity to kind of see what Tech has and what Tech doesn't have. Yep. And of course, you ended off in Charlottesville for the Commonwealth Cup on November 25th. It'll be a game with a lot of emotions, and of course, Tony Elliott and Brent Price first head-to-head after the game didn't happen this past year. But excited to get that rivalry back up and rolling. And Tech won the last time there. Yeah, Jason yeah, Price. And I really feel like, and this is I mentioned two games that I would 100% favor Tech to win right now, and the other one is UVA, Old Dominion and UVA. Um, I think Virginia Tech has strengthened themselves in the transfer portal this offseason and I just I look up and down at what UVA's done. They they lost Billy Kemp to Nebraska. They, they lost Brennan Armstrong to NC State. Central they Cyprus got Cameron Kelly. FSU. So I would say that they're a net negative in the in the transfer <laughs> portal. Um 
I just, they're going to be horrible this year, I think, unless I'm just totally missing something. Now, I'm sure they're sitting here probably saying the same thing about Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech yeah. wasn't any better than them last year. But yeah. we don't have to start but, our season playing Tennessee, and they do. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then uh, JMU the following week. Oh, no. So. Uh, that's that's yeah. nasty. I, I do, uh, it'll, be, it'll be good to... Uh, Especially after not getting to play this year, it'll mm. be it'll be good. Even though it is in Charlottesville, I mean, we talked about this. I think um, back back in November, December, but like Virginia Tech hasn't Virginia Tech has not hosted Virginia in a full lane stadium since 2018. Like it's and won't it's, until 2024. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. been a while, but it'll be nice to to get the rivalry back up. Yes, and you know, like I said, I think. There's still a whole lot that the Virginia Tech offensive coaches have to prove to me personally, yeah. and I think most of the fan base would agree with that. But I feel like Virginia Tech, there's a lot more positives with the new Virginia Tech coaching staff so far than, UVA. than there are with, with UVA. Yeah. They, they just look like they don't know what in the world they're doing. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the schedule and all of its glory. It's a weird one. I find myself missing certain matchups. Is there any games on the schedule that – I guess they're not on the schedule, but is there any matchups that you find yourself wishing that you saw on the schedule or, well, or maybe not? Every Wait. year I want to play West Virginia. Yeah. Um, that's, that. That's you know, North Carolina, uh, obviously, yeah. is, is one. But but the thing is, like, even with North Carolina, and, and I said this to y'all before the podcast, it's only a rivalry if both fan bases and both schools consider it a rivalry. It's not a rivalry if one fan base thinks it is. So like Virginia Tech and Miami is not a rivalry yeah. because the Miami fans and administration and players don't believe that it is. It would be like, like, like everybody thinks Duke is their rival, right? In but basketball. Duke only considers one team and maybe, maybe NC state to, to, to be rivals. Or the flip side of that is what if Duke considered Virginia Tech to be a rival in football? Right. Hokey, Hokey fans would be like, what? Yeah. What? Where'd that come yeah. from? We're, we are not your rivals. <laughs> That's exactly. a team I'm glad we're so, not playing this so year. We only have, <laughs> Two real rivals, because UNC fans, they don't consider Tech a rival Virginia. either. Uh, yeah, it's Virginia. Virginia and West Virginia. Yeah. Virginia is horrible. So, like, that's not even any fun because they're so bad. But We have new rivals now, though. They're Wake Forest and Pitt, and it's unfortunate to say that, but yeah, that's, but, uh, I guess, ri- But, but, but right rivals now. are supposed to have fans. Like, Wake yeah. doesn't have very many fans. It's such a small like school. Maybe NC State. Maybe, uh, maybe, not, yeah, NC, maybe that can turn into but a But they'll thing. be like, no, it's North Carolina. But there's, there's no dislike there. There's no dislike there. But yeah. the, there has to be well, at least some be. dislike. Um, <laughs> you don't like them. Nick says he doesn't like them. But yeah, so to me, it's just like that that one void. There, there's a void missing yeah. in Virginia Tech football, and yeah. that is a heated rivalry. I mean, a heated rivalry. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't mean UVA. I don't mean two, three, and eight teams going head to head to end the season. I mean Virginia. Virginia Tech and West Virginia is going to be heated enough where it doesn't matter what the records are, yeah. right? Uh, like I went into that game this past year. I left the Wofford game last year. I didn't think Tech was very good at all. But I was still looking forward to the West Virginia game. I didn't think they were very good. I didn't think we were very good. But by God, it's Tech versus West Virginia. I knew their fans were going to be in the tailgating lots with me, and it was just going to be great And what college football was supposed to be all about. You don't get that feeling when you play UVA at all. 
because no. there's no there's no heat with their fan base and at it's all. not going to so, be that feeling welcoming Syracuse in on a Thursday night either because no, their fans no, aren't going to travel no like. right Gio's going to love it but that's that's, that's it <laughs> he's not in the room yeah it's I so I, I need a West Virginia man yeah yeah and I do I do think like God when you look at the schedule I think that's that's kind of what's missing. You're missing a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Totally. You're you're because you don't have a West Virginia on the schedule. There's no Miami even. There's no North Carolina. There's no game that historically Tech fans would be like, oh yeah, I cannot wait for that. Or like a Notre Pitt? Dame. Like we've had good games in Notre Dame as of late, and yeah. we don't play them either. Yeah. Right. Is there a road trip you're looking forward to, Katie? I think I will go to Florida State with my family. Depending on, you know, if we're 0 and 7 at that point, we're still going to go. So we wouldn't be I'm 0 excited. Oh, yeah. even, even if we were, okay. Uh, have, yeah. you ever, have you ever been to Florida State? Yeah, I went in 2018. Yeah, I have yeah, not. My good, favorite time I have game not ever. been. I'm I'm excited to, to go experience it. I think Louisville, Louisville would be cool too. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to go to the Louisville Slugger Museum. That yeah. One. Okay, that we'll go to cool. Louisville <laughs> in <laughs> November. I'd rather go in March. Will you have something? It is fourth chair time. Is it fourth chair time? Absolutely. Fourth chair time, right? Go ahead. Okay. So uh, I was doing some random research and things like that. So uh, you guys mentioned the the uh, how Rutgers is close to Northern Virginia. I Googled the distance from Washington, D.C., if you want that to represent Northern Virginia. To Piscataway, it's 201 miles. So, yes, it's a shorter trip distance-wise <laughs> up there. Uh, Virginia Tech's rec- record against Rutgers is 12-3. and three. And that includes, uh, let me pull it up here, 10 straight victories by Virginia Tech. Rutgers won the first three times they played. Rutgers won in 1920, 1953, and of course the 50-49 to 49 game in 1992. And that must have built up some like massive karma because Tech's won the 10 games since then. So look for, if Rutgers wins that game, look for that what I call a dishonest sort of reporting where they'll say it's Rutgers' first win over Virginia Tech in 30 years. Yeah. And technically it is, you know, it's just 10 games though. Um, so what else we got here? I, I got a chuckle out of the reference to Wisconsin and how many times they have and uh-huh. haven't been on the schedule. So I looked at our future schedules page where we archive everything. Mm-hmm. The fir- There are 16 mentions of Wisconsin on our future <laughs> schedules page. Two of those are the fact that Tech is scheduled to play them in 2031 and 2032. The other 14 mentions are in the history of future schedules. Virginia Tech has been scheduled to play a home and home with with Wisconsin. The first reference was August 2003 for 2006-2007. Then it was moved to 2016-2017. There was a brief mention of it being 2019 and 2020. And now it's scheduled for 2031 and 2032. Kind of got bumped almost. So it'll get the, the, it if it gets played, it'll be years. almost thirty years after originally scheduled. After it was originally talked about, yeah, from August two thousand three to uh, twenty thirty one. So it was originally going to be uh, Frank Beamer versus Barry Alvarez, and now it's going to be whoever versus whoever, <laughs> and, and Brent Pry versus ho- hopefully Brent Pry. What's and his the name? versus Luke Fickle. Yeah. So the, so there were a couple of references that that, that first series that was supposed to be played uh, Wisconsin asked out of that. Jim mm-hmm. Weaver said that on, on Hokie Hotline, which is currently Tech Talk Live, Jim Weaver said that Wisconsin asked out of that original one. Mm-hmm. And then there was later mentioned that ESPN was trying to set up Virginia Tech versus Wisconsin, and it just never came through. So uh, if, if we ever have uh, Andy Bitter on the podcast again, we will Ask discuss him. that. Yeah. Um, you guys mentioned if you're going to go to a wedding, do it 
Florida State weekend? No, I said go on vacation or the bye weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go to a wedding bye weekend. Um, yeah. And so for me, I have a nephew who's getting married the pit weekend, so I have oh, to be no. down in North Carolina for, for the Well, the, the last time you missed a home game for a wedding was one of the greatest home games in Virginia Tech history. Yeah, that was, was that the North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, Carolina six-overtime game. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Don't so. do it, y'all. Don't plan a wedding for the fall. So looking at Wake Forest, uh, Wake's won two out of the last three against Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, the one they didn't win was Bud's. Last yeah, yeah. The and Virginia Tech is uh, eight and eleven all time against Syracuse, uh, and since they started, well, they started playing regularly in like nineteen eighty five. Since nineteen eighty five, all the way through twenty twenty one, Syracuse at one point won three in a row, but other than that, neither team has won three in a row. It's it's three wins. Then they went back and forth for literally six years. When did Tech Syracuse won, win three in a row? Uh, they won them in 87, 88, and oh, 92, okay, okay. so not exactly in a row. Right. Um, so thought that would be some interesting stuff to throw in there. And let me see what other notes I have here. I believe that that is it. Yes. We play so many Big East teams. I feel like that this year, instead of like previewing the games, our podcast should be our favorite memories of old Big East Virginia Tech versus Syracuse. Well, if the games. Hokies want up, you know, going two and ten or three and we, nine, we might have to resort to that. Yeah, we'll take yeah. that sort of thing. Um, so the the comments when when Geo put the schedule out on the Tech sideline Twitter feed, he did that social media thing of asking for comments, and there were a number of comments about missing Miami, including a Miami fan who said, "Wait, we're not playing you guys this year." Mm-hmm. So somebody was clearly not dialed in. And there were one or two comments about, oh, are we back in the Big East again? <laughs> so that, those were some of the comments off Twitter. Well, this ske- this year's schedule may not be all that flashy, but 2024 and 2025 are. So I'm very excited about the future. I'm going to have to come back and host the podcast previewing those schedules <laughs> as well. But before we get off the topic of football, I want to quickly get your thoughts on Fontel Mines' pay raise. It was quite the boost after an excellent year of recruiting and establishing a player like Caleb Smith. De- deservedly so with that pay raise. Yeah, I think that and recruiting. I mean, we know how big he was in terms of Virginia Tech recruiting this year. Um, but yeah, I think I think you saw player development. Like like Caleb Smith was a different player, albeit the Hokies' offense wasn't very good. Like Caleb as a whole. Smith was the, was the one consistent performer for the offense Caleb from Smith. year to year. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm very curious to see. How the guys who were true freshmen this year, a guy like Tucker Holloway, how does Tucker Holloway, how is he different this mm. this upcoming season? What what do we see out of him this year? Um, does Christian Moss develop? There are a lot of guys there. Yeah, guys like Christian Moss, Dewan Lofton, um, Dallin Wright was obviously hurt, but there are guys in that middle gap, guys that came in in Fuentes last year that are now in their third year in the program. Um, what, what, what's the trajectory? Um, but I do think he did a lot of good stuff with a lot of different guys, particularly Caleb Smith and, and Caleb Smith was the one consistent as far as the recruiting goes. He was insanely good on the recruiting trail this year. He got two wide receivers from Tennessee, but he also helped out with every single in-state kid from Richmond. And that was like eight or nine kids. So yep. He he was he was key to Virginia Tech's recruiting success in this twenty twenty three class. I think when you have the vision of Virginia Tech football that Brent Pry has, Fontel Mines was his most important hire. And when he 
when he not, not just lived up to but exceeded every single recruiting expectation his first year, you want to lock that guy up. Um, what I've heard is that he was Penn State's first choice for their wide receivers coach once they saw what he did and – and, uh, I think Penn State thinks recruiting first. Yes. And, and they love to target uh, the state of Virginia. Exactly. Yeah. And I think they wanted him bad. Uh, they ended up hiring Hagens, and I'll, I'll talk about him in a second. From UVA. Uh, from UVA. Uh, I, so, yeah, I think it's great that they locked Mines up. If they had lost Mines, I don't know who they would have hired to replace him in Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. You would have needed a wide receiver coach that knows how to recruit Richmond. So you either find a wide receivers coach who's really good recruiting Richmond or you have to reshuffle your staff to com- completely because you need to find somebody who can recruit Richmond. Because if you're an in-state priority for recruiting, if that's the, your number one focus is your program, that's what's most important. Richmond, so he would have had yeah. to reshuffle his staff, yeah. in my opinion, which would not, maybe not have been ideal. Now, Katie, I missed it. Did you give the numbers that he went from 275K to 400, 425K? 55% rate. Yeah, yeah, so Chris and David, your raises this year won't be that big, <laughs> either from a sheer numbers standpoint or percentage standpoint. Did I read, uh, sorry to pop this in the midst of a live podcast, but did I read that that makes him the ninth highest paid wide receivers coach in the country? That wouldn't that, shock me. That's, that's a lot I did not re- That's not something I included in my story yeah. I mean, when t- I wrote tech it. Is, is doing something with their money for their staff now that I, I never thought they would do or could do as far as how much money they're paying their is, coaches. This is important. This is a big moment. It's yeah. a huge, uh, huge. They, they've, dedicate, they've dedicated a lot of resources. So I'm going to go on a long monologue here. <laughs> uh, they, they've dedicated a lot of resources. So it has to work. Here's the thing. The, these resources that, that are coming into the football program now, they're not naturally program generated resources. It's the football enhancement fund. Where fans are donating twelve and an extra twelve and a half million, and when I say fans, I mean big donors. So twelve and a half million from the big donors matched twelve and a half million by the university. So this is artificial. I mean, it's real money, but it's not generated by the athletic department. So the university and the big donors are throwing big money at this staff to get it done. If this staff doesn't get it done, then what are those big money people going to do? They're going to be like, I'm not giving you all my money again if if you can't produce better results in that so it's very important that this work with this this new model for virginia tech this new let's have one of the highest paid staffs in the country like it has to work because it's not the program that's generating the dollars that's paying the coaches it's the big donors that are just giving giving the money um and as far as mines himself goes excellent recruiter i think he's a good wide receivers coach too i think he's similar to hagan's like i saw some people were being critical of penn state hiring hagan's because uh they don't consider him a great recruiter and uva's wide receivers stunk this past year uva's wide receivers did stink this past year but you know what they were awesome before that under hagan's the same receivers went from awesome to bad overnight when UVA had an offensive coordinator change and a head coach change, right? Uh, I think the struggles of Virginia Tech's wide receivers this past year were more about inexperience and offensive coordinating than they were wide pure wide receivers coaching. Yeah. So I I think, uh, I think mines is is a very, very good coach. And I I think he's going to, Proved to be worth every penny that Virginia Tech is paying him. I would excuse me. One more thing I want to add to you were talking about the football enhancement fund. Um, Virginia Tech has more resources available for coaching and support staff. And what happened was Brent Pry hired 
inexperienced offensive and defensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. And that made a lot of people go, where did all that extra money go? Right. So it's important that this is, a, this is an instance where you have a guy who's somewhat proven himself as a coach, definitely proven himself on the recruiting trail, and other programs came sniffing around and they awarded them off. And right. I, th- I think that's important. And you and you snatch them up and you keep them. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the struggles this year go for Virginia Tech wide receivers. Go back to uh, we think I, I think back to the quote Jaden Blue told you before the season about how Tyler Bowen's offense was going to scheme him open. Narrator. He didn't. <laughs> that, that didn't happen. Why? Is that the wide receiver's fault? I right. think that more that falls more on on that. The offensive line wasn't very good. Grant Wells had his own issues. It wasn't just the wide receivers. Yeah. And I think Fonto Mines has proven that he can develop wide receiver talent, but more importantly, he's, he's proved himself how valuable he is on the recruiting trail. And it, it, it's not just him getting wide receivers – but there were eight to ten guys from the Richmond area, whether it was Braylon Johnson, multiple defensive backs, yeah. guys that he was involved with that came because they had relations with him. Let's not forget to mention Allie Jennings the third sure. and and other wide receiver guys from the transfer portal. They brought in Jalen Lane from Middle Tennessee, who's gonna play in the slot. Daquan Felton from Norfolk State. He brought in three transfer portal wide receivers too. I'm excited for the spring. That's probably the most intriguing position I'm excited for this spring is wide receiver. There are 14 or 15 scholarship wide receivers. Fontel Mines, I think, has 11 or 12 to work with this spring. Mm-hmm. I think all but two or three are enrolling early. That's plenty of guys to, to work with this spring to figure out who fits and who That's doesn't. more than than you would normally have on the roster for spring at one position. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a lot of reps to sift through. There won't be that many on scholarship after the spring. Yeah. That would be my prediction. Well, that's going to lead us into our break here on episode 282 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Did a deep dive on the 2023 football schedule and what's in store for Brent Pry in year two. Touched on Vontel Mine's new contract. And when we get back, we'll finally talk some hoops. Make sure you stay with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into episode 282 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by First Bank and Trust Company. The Tech Sideline Podcast is also presented by Triumph NIL. NIL for good. Triumph NIL is a unique and experienced sports marketing agency specializing in building custom name, image, and likeness partnerships for student athletes with members of the business community and fans. Their motto, recruit, retain, reward. Visit triumphnil.com to learn more. We're going to flip the script and talk some hoops this time around. Just when we needed this team to start stacking some wins, they did just that victory over Duke, followed by a big win against Syracuse over the weekend. Virginia Tech really able to, like I said, flip the script after that game up in the Dome. What was working for the Hokies on Saturday? I, I would I would say three-pointers fell. And I also think having Hunter Couture back is yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, Tech, 26 assists. Season high, most in the ACC game under Mike Young. As Mike said after the game, 
playing zone kind of makes things a little lopsided because it's easier to pass because they're not. I mean, it's a zone versus man to man. That's self explanatory. They're not up in your face challenging. Yeah, um, but I mean, Tech was eleven of twenty from three in the first half. Start made made nine of its last ten. Um, Hunter Couture had a great game. And, of course, as we'll talk about in a minute, Grant Bazzilli continues to improve. MJ Collins had a good game. John Camden played well in the absence of Darius Maddox. So I think it was just the thing of Tech was home in the right environment had put a good game together against Duke last week, um, played good defense, and really exploited the zone's weaknesses. In the first game at Syracuse, Tech turned the ball over way too many times and did not move the ball quite as well. Sean Padula and, and Rodney Rice were like three or four of 21. Just did not shoot well. Um, jacked up way too many shots. Tech was efficient. Justin Mutz and Grant Bazzilli, whoever was in that that role right at the elbow, right at the, at the free throw line, they made the right plays. And I think it was self, self-explanatory, as simple as that. I agree with everything he said, and I will add that another big reason they won this time is that they didn't uh... – allow 82 points like they did in the Dome. They didn't play defense in the Dome. Yeah, They couldn't keep the ball out of the paint at all, whether it was the drive or whether it was Syracuse throwing it into the paint. Uh, They couldn't stop it. Uh, Syracuse ended up with 70, but they scored a few of those late, and they they weren't really on pace for that for, for most of the game. So I thought it was a good defensive performance by Tech. Certainly much improved from their performance in the Dome earlier this year. They hounded Joe Girard. Joe Girard had 24 in the Dome, mm-hmm. and he only had seven, I believe, yeah, nine. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, the, and, and Mike Young explained it after the game as it's so tough to play defense on him because he's a guy who can – basically create a shot from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And Hunter Couture, it helps to have him back. Yes, it does. Couture basically was glued to him the entire game, held him to seven points. Jesse Edwards, Syracuse big man, got in foul trouble early. That played a role. And then, I mean, when Grant Bazzilli has 24 points, 25 points, it, it really helps get everything going. He scored 50 points this year against Syracuse, didn't he, between two games? Yeah. 50 Maybe or 49. get those guys yeah. on the schedule. More often. Like you said, Grant Bazilia was fantastic finishing with 25 points in this one. That that performance combined with his performance against Duke last week was good enough to get him ACC Player of the Week honors, deservedly so. He's playing his best basketball right now, which is exactly what we need. Yeah, in the last five games, he scored 100 points, so 20 per game, seven rebounds per game. Against Duke and Q's, he had 25 points per game and like eight rebounds, something like that. He's playing really, really good basketball. Uh, I, I think Mike Young mentioned on Monday in AC Teleconference, and I wrote about it um, a little bit yesterday when in, when Grant Bazzilli was named AC Player of the Week. Deservedly so. He's playing really good basketball. And like Storm Murphy, after came from Wofford, it took Grant Bazzilli a little bit of time to get going. Mike Young's hopeful now that he's finally found his spot and got, gotten comfortable. But you got to remember, he came from the Horizon League in Wright State, and it takes a little bit of time to adjust. But I said this on Monday, last Monday, before Virginia Tech played Duke. If you were an opposing head coach and you were you were drawing up a scouting report for Virginia Tech, there was not one player on the team that was really like, oh my God, this guy really caused a lot of problems for us. We have to guard him. And against Duke, Grant Bazzilli was a matchup nightmare for Duke. Kyle Filipowski couldn't guard him, and Filipowski is really, really good. John Shire tried multiple different guys on him. Didn't work. Against Syracuse, albeit it's his own, but Grant Bazzilli had a really good game. If he continues to be an X-factor in the way that other teams have to defend him because he's so good and he creates 
such difficult matchups, like tonight against Miami, Virginia Tech's going to have a lot of success because it draws more attention. Therefore, the ball can go other places and and you get a wide-open Hunter Couture. Um, I, I think he is a a key, one of a couple keys to Virginia Tech's success down the stretch. He's playing really, really good basketball. He's adjusted to the physicality of the league, and that takes some some guys do that faster than others, uh, I will say. Uh, but he seems like he's made the adjustment now. You finally got a third guard playing with some consistency in MJ Collins. That That's for the, the first time that's happened this season. And now you got Hunter Couture back. So right now, at this moment in time, this is the best Virginia Tech this is the best version of Virginia Tech we've had all year, yeah. right now. So the Hokies have 10 games left, plus the ACC tournament. They're a good team right now. Uh, let's just see how it plays out. Yeah. One player we didn't see a lot in this one was Sean Padula got himself into some foul trouble <laughs> early on and only played 17 minutes. No Darius Maddox all game because of a family emergency. Did you like what you saw from MJ Collins and John Camden? Huge. Um, I, yeah. You know, Collins... They haven't been guarding him. They haven't been closing him out on the three-point line, and he wasn't making him pay early in the season, and now he's starting to make those open jumpers. When he made his third one against Syracuse, the one from real deep on the left wing in front of the Syracuse bench, the Syracuse defender did not close him out. And after uh, Collins made the shot, the uh, the Syracuse defender looked at Bayheim as if to say, are you sure you don't want me to start closing him out now? Um, because that was a scouting report. It's like 25% three-point shooter. Yeah. Let him take those shots and, and prevent the interior uh, pass instead. Now he's starting to make them so the scouting report is going to change. So his next step as a player is to adjust to the adjustments that, that people are making to him. MJ Collins, first 30 attempts, 5 of 30. Since then, he is now nine of thirteen. Okay, so yeah, so, so MJ Collins is, is nine of thirteen. Nine of his last thirteen from three point range started five of thirty. Started when was five of thirty before that. I, I was impressed with the the calmness from him and, and John Camden. John Camden, a guy who's barely seen big time minutes this year, only like a little bit when Couture was out, mm-hmm. gets thrown to the fire. Plays like 20-something minutes. Collins played, I think I said they combined for 61 minutes, 19 points. Cam Camden missed, went started 0 for 3, and then and then finally got one down. Their confidence, I think, ha- has been huge. Earlier in the year, both of those guys looked like they were afraid to shoot the ball. Like when they shot it, they were like, oh, this is not going in. And now they shoot it, and they're like, okay, I'm going to shoot it because I know I can. They both played good defense. Um Sean Padula sat for the final nine and a half minutes in the first half, and Tech's points per game was like 1.87. Like the Hokies were, Hokies had like 28 points on 15 possessions. And I think, yes, it's the zone, so it's a little bit skewed, mm-hmm. but the way that John Camden and MJ Collins stepped in and there was no drop-off, and when Syracuse pressed the entire second half, maybe one time where where they looked a little rattled, they broke the press. They settled down. They got some big rebounds. John Camden had that one where he stole the ball right off the inbound and laid it right back up. Yeah. Um, they're playing good basketball. And those are the complementary pieces you need to be a successful team. Yes, uh, I, I agree. And they're going to have to keep doing it if Maddox is still going to be out. Because yeah. with Maddox out, you've only got three guards, which means Camden has to start playing every game at the three just so you can have a backcourt rotation at all. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be important that he continue to play at that level. Syracuse was a unique matchup. It, Cam, best matchup for Camden, for sure. 
We'll see what he does against a more traditional lineup. If you remember last year when Tech beat Syracuse and Castle, Tech played the last 10 minutes of that game without a point guard on the court. They took out Storm Murphy. They took out Sean Padula. But it was a close game, and Tech wasn't playing much defense. And you don't need a point guard against Syracuse. They so they put in a bigger defender, and they ended up winning the game. Yeah. Uh, so that's a un- Syracuse is a u- unique matchup because of their style. Um, we'll see how it goes against more traditional matchups. Yeah. But, but again, I, I agree. What I just said is true. I think right now this is the best Virginia Tech has been this season because they've got most people healthy, not everybody, but they got Couture back, Basili's figured out the physicality of ACC level, and now Collins is making open jumpers. So they've got a third guard, finally. Couture's back, and now their big man's more consistent. So this is the best Tech has been all season. Even they're a better team right now than they were when they were 11-1 and because all those other things have happened since then. So uh, let's just let it play out. Hokies win that one, 85-70. And now you flip the page to tonight's game down in Coral Gables, taking on the 23rd-ranked Miami Hurricanes. You're feeling really good with the wins over Duke and Syracuse. You're feeling even better if you can go on the road and do it tonight. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is a quadrant one game, one of three the Hokies have left. Virginia at home on Saturday, because this is a big week. Quadrant one game on the road tonight against Miami. Quadrant one game at home on Saturday against Syracuse. The only one after that is Duke in Cameron Indoor, and you've only ever won there once <laughs> in school history. So don't count on it. So you're telling me there's a chance. This is a Miami team that has been up and down and has faltered in close games. Three and four in its last seven, though it's seven and four in the ACC. This, this is a really good offensive team. Like, Virginia Tech needs to play some of its best defense all year. Um... Very similar to Virginia, where obviously you everybody knows the name Isaiah Wong. Jordan Miller was there last year. But everybody else, those are the only two starters the Canes returned. Everybody yeah. else is are new faces. Spent $800,000 to bring in a transfer from Nigel, Kansas State. Nigel Pack, yeah. That, he, that helps. He's playing good basketball. Um, there are a couple different guys that, that Miami... Miami, basically, it's kind of like UVA, where... There's no necessarily one score that takes over. A bunch of guys that can score. Mm -hmm. Three or four or five different options. This is a really good Miami team offensively. Defensively, a little susceptible. But Tech's going to have to to be on tonight. Um, I think it's a really good opportunity to get a win. It's not make or break. Um, You know, this is one of those games where you lose, it doesn't really hurt you but you'd like to have it but you could really help yourself you if could you win. if you win it you it's a big shot in the arm um i i don't know mike young was hopeful that darius maddox would be back family emergency um don't know if i'd expect him to be back uh, mike wasn't even sure if he'd be able to travel like how he'd get down there if he was back um so i i think it might be a a three-man rotation, and then you throw Camden in the fire. So, I don't know if, if again, if if Bazilli can draw some Miami defenders to him, that that opens up a, a lot more stuff. Um, but Tech won last year. Darius Maddox hit that buzzer beater, buzzer beater to win last year. So th- this is a opportunity for a win. I watched that one in PKs. Will was not there. <laughs> so that's you're telling me that's that's where we're going tonight. Probably will go eat my cheeseburger at PKs tonight. Yeah. You Man, dug yourself into a whole Chris with the cheeseburger thing this early into the season. Ugh. We need to charge them for a sponsorship. So, shall we relive the glory of last year's game in Miami? Sure. Um, because I was just looking at it. So Miami takes a uh, 67-59 lead. 
Eight-point lead with 142 to go. Sean Padula makes a jumper. Sean Padula makes a jumper. Sean Padula makes a free throw. Sean Padula steals the ball, gives it to Keve Aluma, who dunks it. And suddenly it's 67-66, like with 40 seconds left to go. That all happened in a minute. Now let's pull down here. Eh, foul by Padula, turnover by Padula. We'll, we'll kind of gloss over that. Uh, jumper by Padula in the paint. Steal by Hunter Couture, three-pointer by Darius Maddox. Mm-hmm. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, so Virginia Tech had gone literally like four minutes without scoring, and then they scored, what is that? I believe I just recounted 11 points in the last 142. Yeah, and, and Padula and Maddox were huge. And that was yeah. when both guys were coming off the bench. And mm-hmm. they combined, to your point, uh, Padula had 17, Maddox had 13, so they combined for 30. 30. Storm only had two points. Yeah. Um, you know, So that was, I don't remember exactly, maybe you guys remember exactly when that game happened in the season, but that was that was just... That, a, was, that was in mid to late February. That was yeah. after Tech lost to UNC. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, I think it was the next weekend. That w- at, at home. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was uh, scroll up to the top of the box score. Let's see what it says. Um, it, because I mean, that was the game I think that gave Virginia Tech a chance. So that was February twenty sixth, and that yeah. made the Hokies ten and eight in the ACC. Mm-hmm. So Tech, I, that was the third to last ACC game, and Tech had probably Louisville at home, which was a win, and then uh, Clemson on the road to end the season, and and that. Tech ended up finishing eleven and nine, um, but that's that incredible. but that was Tech's only regular season quadrant one win, and and that's you correct and, right and you yeah. look at this year Virginia Tech is as we talked about as I wrote about last week Tech's in a much better place right it's going to fluctuate but Penn State's Tech beat Penn State Oklahoma State both at neutral sites they're both one's a quadrant one game one's close to a quadrant one game Duke's currently a quadrant one game you can get a Miami win and a Virginia win. You're you're sitting pretty fine, even though you, you know you don't necessarily have the number of wins. So, so yeah, they're right outside. North Carolina is yeah. 32, as Nick just said. Th- yeah. This is a good opportunity to get a win. Again, doesn't hurt you, but it'd be nice to have it. Keeping up with this lockdown defense from Couture, I'm excited to see his pressure on Isaiah Wong, who yeah. with Kihei Clark, I feel like has been in college basketball <laughs> for, for years for and years. Yeah. Well, Isaiah Wong goes all the way back to the triple overtime loss in Castle pre-COVID when Wong, God. has, as a freshman, had 27 points, including oh God, yeah. 14 of 14 from the free throw line. We were screaming bacon the whole time, thought you know, thought we could rattle him. Yeah. And no, 27 points as a freshman. Now, he hasn't scored that many against Tech since then, but mm-hmm. that, that's a guy that I, that I feel. Every, that every time, because of, the, his, because of the first time we ever saw him, We've been terrified of him ever since. Yeah. Even yeah. if he doesn't play that great, I'm still terrified of yeah. him. Yeah, somebody on the message board said something the other day about, oh, he schools us every game. And I went and looked it up, and he really doesn't. No, no but he, he did doesn't. that first No, but, the, but he's had good teammates. And I think yeah. that's that's the thing. Like Cameron McGusty, who was there last year, left. Now it's Jordan Miller. And as I wrote in my preview, which you can go check out at techsideline.com, Jordan Miller is efficient. Justin Mutz will guard Jordan Miller. Um, he's like top. 30 in the country in terms of offensive rating. He's mm. really, really good. Wow. Um, Nigel Pack is the point guard. Wong's shooting guard. Um, I forget who their three-man is. Uh, Wuga Poplar, I think, is his name. Um, this is a really good Miami team. Again, insanely good offensively, like number 12, I think, in the country in 
off, adjusted offensive efficiency. Not as good defensively. I, this could be a shootout. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. 7 p.m. ESPNU. Um, again, this could be one Virginia Tech wins. And like you said, it's not like Isaiah Wong's torch Virginia Tech every single time. Maybe it's because he's been guarded by Hunter Couture. Well, you just know he can. Yes. So. He has that ability. Well, huge game tonight. Even bigger game on Saturday against Virginia at home. Any last words from you in the fourth chair, Will? No, I think we need to wrap this thing up and get it posted so we you sure can do. You, you got, got a quiz test. coming up? Is that I right? have a calm law quiz shortly after Sheesh. this. Wow. I need a review for <laughs> another great episode of the Tech Sideline Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in and thank everybody on set today. Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline. You can follow him at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. David Cunningham, managing editor. He's editor. He's at the Real D Cunna on Twitter. Will Stewart, founder and general manager for Tech Sideline. He's at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. Nick Brown producing. Thank you, Nick. And I'm your host, Katie Adams, signing off on episode 282 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Enjoy the game tonight, Hokies fans, and we'll see you Monday.